You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew chapter number 19, we'll begin reading in verse number 16. The Bible says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for these folks who are here today. And uh, what a, a blessing and encouragement they are to me. And I know they're an encouragement to one another. Uh, but Lord, I know also that you are pleased when you look down and you see a, a whole auditorium full of people that have come today to worship you and to uh, learn more about your word and to put you first. And I pray that you would give us what we need as we are in our missions revival. I pray that you'd help us this morning. May this be a message that would help us to examine our hearts and to uh, examine our motives and priorities. And may we be what you'd have us to be. May we be more surrendered. May we be more committed, more consecrated to you and to the work you've called us to do. Bless us, we pray. Speak to our hearts. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We see in Matthew 19, and there are passages in Mark and also in Luke that we would call parallel passages of this same story. But we find in those passages, in this passage, that this young man that came to Jesus, we know three things about him. Now, now, now let's, let's think if maybe these three things would be true about you. You ready? All right. Three things. Number one, he was rich. How many of you are already out for a perfect score? All right. He was rich. Number two, he was young. Let's find out. Let's find out. How many of you know uh, youth is not an age, right? It's an attitude. Um, how many of you feel young this morning? Let me see your hands. All right. That's pretty good. You put your hands down. The problem is I had more adults that raised their hand than teenagers. <laughs> So let me tell you, teens, if you're not feeling young now, it's downhill, right? No, it's, it's great. So here we go. Number one, Rich, this young man, he was young and he was a ruler. He was in charge. He was in charge of a lot of people, a lot of things. Uh, how many of you say, I just like to be in charge of my house? You know, no, 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 don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand there. But this young man, in the world's eyes, he had it all. People would have looked at this man and say, he has arrived. But you know what we find in the scripture about this young man? 
he was missing something. His life wasn't complete. His life was not fulfilled. And we're going to see in this passage how he comes to Jesus and, and Jesus takes the time to show him what he is missing. And friend, I want to tell you, you came here this morning and I'm not the one that can tell you what you're missing, but I want to tell you the Bible can tell you what you're missing. And every one of us have needs that only God can meet. Every one of us have, have things in our life that, that are not where they need to be, but God can help you to put it in the right place and to put your life in the right priorities. This passage, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 22, and then on through about verse number 27, we see two main topics, and I want to distinguish those right away so that we can kind of save some time later. Number one, Jesus talks about the topic of salvation. This young man asked the question, what must I do? What should I do to inherit eternal life? Now, it's interesting because he says, what good thing? Meaning, what, what do I have to do? What do I need to, to, to put in in order to get saved? Can I tell you this morning, and I don't mean to burst your bubble. I don't mean to discourage you because there's good news coming. But the thing I need to tell you from the word of God is, there's nothing that you can do to earn your way to heaven. There's nothing in the world that you could do. There's not enough good that you can do to get to heaven because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. We are all sinners and all of our, our righteousness, the best we have, the Bible says, are like filthy rags in the sight of God. So we see the matter of salvation. But secondly, we see in this passage the, the topic or the, the matter of discipleship. I want to make sure we understand that those are different. Now, I, I think there's a lot of ways we can see how they're connected, but these are different. You don't get saved by doing good things. You get saved by putting your faith and trust in Jesus, period. That's the only way. There's not many ways to heaven. There's only one way, and that is through a person. His name is Jesus. But when we get saved, God is not done with you. God is not done with me. As a matter of fact, he's just getting started. And so when we get saved, God calls us to salvation, but God also calls us to follow him. You see, if, if getting saved, if that was the end, then I don't think God would leave us down here. And by the way, there's coming a day when he's going to call all of us away at the rapture. But God leaves us here for now because there's a job. There's, there's something specific that he has for us to do. This morning, whether you're in the auditorium or you're watching online or listening by way of radio, I want to say God is calling people today to salvation. And if you're not saved, today is the day to get saved. But God is also calling people today to discipleship. God is calling people to follow him no matter what. That's where we get into this passage where this young man comes to Jesus and he asks some questions uh, from Jesus and Jesus gives answers. Notice quickly in this passage, number one, I see there is an individual. This young man, he had it all going. This young man had so much potential. This young man would have been a success story in the eyes of the world, but he was missing something, and he knew he was missing something. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, what am I lacking? What am I missing? 
This man was blessed by God. I want to remind you that if you're here today and you're rich, if you're young and you've got health and you've got strength, uh, if you have a power or you have authority or anything you have, all good things come from God. So, oh no, pastor, I earned it. I'm a hard worker and I've saved a lot of money and I've built a good business and I commend you for it. And I thank God for hard work. I thank God for character. I thank God for those things. But friend, were it not for the grace of God, you wouldn't have the health to go to work. Were it not for the grace of God, you wouldn't have the mind to be able to use that uh, to gain wealth. And so anything good we have is a gift from God. God deserves the glory, not ourselves. But there's an individual, number one. I'm glad that Jesus took time for this individual. Now, you're here this morning, and I was already, as, as the service was going on, I was already thinking about visitors that I uh, missed. Uh, Brian, you got your uh, brother and, and, and his wife here, and uh, Joe, we're glad to have you back. And there's so many folks, uh, Miss uh, Brother Henry, Miss Barbara, you got family, and, and there's so many visitors, and I, I feel bad every service. I feel like I don't get to take the time to talk to every person, and, and I certainly don't get the time to, to know all the needs and know how I can pray. I try. But you, this morning, I got news for you. You may have come and you may feel like nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows my situation. Nobody knows the, the burdens I have. But I want to tell you today, somebody does know you. And somebody does know what you're going through. As a matter of fact, not only does God know you, he knows what you're going through, but he cares about you. And he loves you. And I'm glad that God deals with us as individuals. Aren't you glad God takes time for everybody? And Jesus deals with this young man as an individual. Number two, I want you to notice the inquiry. This man comes to Jesus in verse number uh, 16, and he says unto him, good master. Now, that's interesting because Jesus talks about that, and he says, there is none good but one, and that is God. Because this man was not coming to Jesus as seeing him as God, he was coming to, to, to Jesus thinking he was a, a good man. He was a good teacher. Uh, he was a good person. And Jesus makes it very clear there's only one person that's really good, and that is God. Can I remind you this morning that we are not good? We're all a bunch of sinners, and we try. But anything good in us is not because of us. It's all because of God. We are not good. And secondly, I want to say we are not God. Now, I know that sounds so basic and so elementary, but sometimes we act like we're God. We don't say it. We wouldn't verbalize it, but, but we act like it. We make decisions that are not at all considering God, not at all considering the Bible. We make decisions, and let's just be honest, we've all been there. We've all been there this week where we've made decisions and the only thing we thought about was how is this going to affect me? What do I want to do? But friend, I want to tell you, you're not God and I'm not God and may we get our eyes back on him and may we seek for God to be in control of our lives rather than trying to take the place of God in our daily lives. There's an inquiry. He says, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Jesus goes on to answer the question. He says, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. And by the way, Jesus is God, and I'm glad for that. And Jesus is good. He says in verse 17, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. 
You say, oh, pastor, there it is. That's the answer. Jesus says, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to keep the commandments. How many of you know that's exactly what Jesus said? And if you're going to go to heaven, there's a couple ways you can go. Now, you say, I thought there was only one way. <laughs> there's only one possible way. But one way is you could live a perfect, sinless life for your entire life and keep every commandment and never, never sin, and you can go to heaven. The problem is that's not possible because we're all sinners. We were born with a sin nature, but we choose to sin out of our own free will. And so what Jesus is saying is, what good thing can you do? You can't. Because you'd have to keep all the commandments. You'd have to keep all of them perfectly your entire life and never slip up and never make one mistake. Now, this is an honesty test right now. How many of you in this room have ever one time in your life, at least one time, you've made a mistake? Let me see your hands. All right, now if you're sitting next to somebody and their hand is not raised, you need to very politely, you need to nudge them and say, no, no, no. But you understand, we're all sinners. And Jesus says, you got to keep all the commandments. And then he says, well, 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 which ones are you talking about? Verse 18, which? And Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. And maybe today you say, well, I've not done that. Good. Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. So I've not done that. Good. Thou shalt not steal. Well, Probably, if we're honest, everybody has stolen something, a, a, a pen or a pencil or some, even something little. You say, oh, that's not stealing. Oh, actually, it is. Um, how about this? Thou shalt not bear false witness. Ooh, that's happened. And by the way, I think Jesus is getting down to where this guy lives because this guy right here and talking about himself, he's bearing false witness about his own life. He says, I've done all these things. And I'm sure Jesus is thinking, oh, no, you haven't. But then he goes on to say, honor thy father and thy mother. That's a commandment. That's a good thing to do. And then he says, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, hang on. Jesus is getting ready to prove to this man that he does not love his neighbor like himself. Because when Jesus says, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor, the man says, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know this was going to affect my pocketbook. I didn't know this was going to affect my bank account. And so what Jesus is revealing to this man is that he has not kept the commandments. He has not lived a perfect life. He is a sinner. And a person that is going to be saved cannot be saved by doing good works. A person that is going to be saved must put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's the only way. By the way, Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The message of John the Baptist, the message of Jesus was to repent. You know why we need to repent? Because we're sinners. Because we can't save ourselves. And so we see, number one, the individual. Number two, we see the inquiry. Jesus answers in verse number 17. He says, there's none good but one. We see the interpretation. This man did not realize who Jesus was. And Jesus says, there is none good but one, and that is God. But we see that number four, we see the instructions. Jesus gives instructions to this man in verse number 20. And the young man saith unto him, All these have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Here's the question. First question is, how do I get to heaven? The second question is, what am I missing in my life? 
And friend, I want to tell you, these are good questions to ask. I don't think this man had the, the right idea in asking them. But number one, what do you have to do to get saved? And if you're here today and you've never been saved, I'll tell you, the only way to get saved is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. But number two, here's a good question to ask yourself. What am I missing? What, what, what is something that should be in my life that is not in my life? And he asked this question, what lack I yet? And Jesus said in verse 21, if thou wilt be perfect, if you're going to find fulfillment, if you're going to be complete, if you're going to be satisfied, if you're going to be perfect, then go and sell what you have and give it to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Here's Jesus' instructions. He says, give up what you have, give it all away. Now, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, are you suggesting that I go and I sell everything I have and I give it all away and I be homeless? I'm not suggesting that. But here's what I am suggesting. I'm suggesting that the things that you have in your life, that they don't keep you from doing what God has called you to do. I'm suggesting that you take a look at your own life and your things and say, are, are my things more important to me than God's will? Is my stuff more important to me than serving God? And if the answer to that is yes, then you're going to have to get rid of that stuff. Because why would you want to put a priority on things that someday are all going to burn up? When you die, when I die, the things that we have, uh, the stuff that we have, we're not taking it with us. And so the question is, are you willing to say, God is more important to me than my money? God's more important to me than my house. He's more important to me than my car. He's more important to me than my, my, my 401k. God is more important. And if he says that he wants it, I'll give it. Can I tell you, that's a hard place to come to in 2023 in the United States of America when so much of what we live for is stuff. When you look around and everybody wants something bigger, everybody wants something nicer, everybody wants something that's a little bit trendier, everybody wants this and that, and friend, I want to tell you, those things don't matter. In eternity, those things, you will not in heaven, you will not talk about what kind of car you had down here. I promise you that. When you get to heaven, you are not going to say, oh, you should have seen my house down there. When you're walking on streets of gold and you've got mansions of glory, the house you had down here is not even going to compare. I'm just saying that Jesus gives the instructions to say, if you want to be fulfilled, your fulfillment is not found in stuff. Your fulfillment is found in me. And Jesus Christ is the only one that brings fulfillment. It's not in possessions. It's not in pleasures. It's not even in people. How many of you know people will let you down? People will disappoint you. But I want to tell you, fulfillment is found in a person and his name is Jesus Christ and he's the only one that can fulfill. I see not only the instructions, but number five, I see the investment. Verse 21, Jesus says, you, you go, you sell all that you have, you give it to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Oh, now we're talking. Did you know that in heaven, they're not concerned about the economy they're not worried about the stock market. They're not worried about the price of gas. They're not worried about the real estate. In heaven, nobody is wondering, am I getting a good percentage of return on my money? 
In heaven, the treasures are eternal. The treasures are forever. And Jesus talks about when you sell and you give to people and you give to the work of God, you are not losing your treasure. You are transferring your treasure. You're not giving it up. You are gaining it in the life to come. And so we see the investment number five. Jim Elliott was a great missionary of yesteryear who became a martyr. He went to the Aka Indians and he said this, he is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. Now think about it. The things down here, you can't keep them. I've got, I've got a phone here. I'll use this phone. This is stuff. How many of you know that phones are so expensive and phones can frustrate the fire out of you, right? You can't live with it and you can't live without it. This phone, it is crazy how much a cell phone costs. But you know what's going to happen in two years? It's not going to work. You know why? Because they want you to buy a new one. They want you to get an upgrade, right? Or, or you don't have a connection or all oh, your Wi-Fi is not working or you can't get something to work or your phone freezes or whatever. I'm just telling you, that's in two years. But can I tell you, your treasures that you lay up in store in heaven, those are forever. You'll never say, oh, I wonder what happened to that because it is safe and secure. It is a treasure. It is an investment that Jesus Christ has promised that you make when you give to him and you give to his work. Number six. I see there's an invitation. He says in verse 21, you, you, you go and you sell what you have, you give it to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. The word come is a powerful word. It's an invitation. It's an urging. It's a plea. Jesus says come. But come speaks not only of, of, of a location, but it speaks of, of a time. And so when Jesus is telling this man, he says, I want you to come. Wait a minute. He's already come to Jesus. He'd already come to ask Jesus, but this young man came to Jesus not to see what he could give to Jesus, but to see what he could get out of Jesus. And that's not the kind of come that, that Jesus is calling. Jesus says this, man, I want you to come to me. I want you to be with me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to get to know me. And Jesus says, come here and now. And then he says this, and I want you to follow. Following is not only following somebody who leads the way, but following means to join as an attendant. It means to accompany somebody. And boy, I tell you what, I'm glad when I'm following Jesus, he's not just up ahead leaving me in the dust, but I get to walk side by side with him. I get to be with him. I get to talk with him. I get to know him. I get to spend time with him. And he says to this young man, hey, give up your treasure, give up your riches and come and follow me if you want to be fulfilled. If you want to find out what you're missing. But then I see quickly number seven. I see there's an irritation. It says in verse 22 that when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. That word sorrowful, it's not only to be sad, but it means to be grieved completely or to be intensely sad. When this young man heard the words of Jesus, it bothered him. Jesus said, hey, if, you're, if you want to find out how to be fulfilled, then sell what you have, give it to the poor, lay up treasure in heaven, come and follow me. And the man said, I wasn't expecting that. That's not what I wanted to hear. Have you ever been in a, a meeting at work or have you ever gotten a phone call from somebody and you were expecting good news and you got bad news? And you think, that's not what I wanted to hear. That's not the answer I was looking for. 
And this young man got an answer he wasn't looking for, and it bothered him. It caused great intense sorrow in his life. Now, friend, when you come to church, I hope you leave church. I hope you leave encouraged. I hope you leave blessed. I hope you leave fired up. But if there is something in your life that is not right with God, I hope God does convict you. I hope the Holy Spirit does speak to you. I hope you have a hard time getting peace and rest until you get things right with God. Because if you don't get things right with God, then things are not really good. You can convince yourself, you can tell yourself, you can try to justify what you're doing. But if you are not right with God, if I'm not right with God, there's not going to be real peace until we get things right. This man was irritated. He was bothered. Why was he bothered? Because the Bible says he had great possessions. Now, friend, if you're here today and you have a lot of possessions, we've already talked about this, this idea, but that's a blessing from God. That's a gift from God. But you know what's sad is sometimes we allow the blessings of God to become the main thing we're after. And we forget, as Brother Mike saying, uh, uh, to uh, riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Lord, you are my inheritance. You are my treasure. You're the one I'm living for. I want you more than I want stuff. And if you're here today and the stuff has become the main thing in your life, friend, you're missing out. Because God's got so much more for you than stuff. God's got joy and peace. And God's got contentment and love and satisfaction. And God's got so much for your life and for mine that we must get to the point where we say, I want God more than I want anything else that could be offered. He was sorrowful because he had great possessions. Maybe his blessings had become a problem in his life. Maybe his uh, success had become a problem that kept him from the will of God. Matthew 6, 24, the Bible reminds us that you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money. Now, I think you can serve God, and I think you can still have money, and God can bless you with it, but that can't be the master. Money cannot be the object. Riches cannot be of the focal point in your life. God's got to be number one. So I want to ask you this morning, are your possessions keeping you from following Jesus? Are your possessions keeping you from the will of God? I'll tell you this, it'd be sad if we got to heaven and we looked back and said, I would have served God except I had so much money. I would have served God, but that house became more important to me than God. That car became more important to me than God. That, that job became more important to me than God. I'm not against a house. I'm not against a car. I'm not against a job. I'm not against those things. But those things must not be the focus. God's got to be the focus. And Jesus says, here's what you're lacking. Here's what you're missing. You're going to have to be willing to give those things up and follow me. Lastly, I'll give you this and I'll be done. Number eight, I see the incentive. The Bible goes on to say in verses 23 through 26, the disciples are they're a little puzzled because they feel like maybe this man, because he was rich, he couldn't be saved. And Jesus goes on to say, oh, no, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I want to tell you today, uh, rich people can be saved. 
And poor people can be saved and old people can be saved and young people can be saved and uh, deaf people can be saved and hearing people can be saved and blind people can be saved and seeing people. I'm glad that anybody can be saved. The Bible says whosoever will may come. I'm glad for that. And Jesus makes it clear that anybody can be saved. It might be more difficult for some, but I'm glad God can save anybody. And then we get to verse 27. And then Peter answered and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all. And by the way, that was a true statement. Peter and those disciples, they had forsaken everything. They had jobs. They had businesses. They had careers. They had family. And when Jesus said, follow me, they left it all behind. Boy, isn't that sobering to think that sometimes we don't want to leave anything behind. We don't want to give up anything. And yet these men gave all to follow Jesus. And Peter asked Jesus, he says, we have followed thee, verse 27, what shall we have therefore? Would you notice with me in Matthew 19, verse 27, I want you to see this question. The rich man asked two questions. Jesus answers those. And now Peter asks the question. He says, Lord, we heard what you just told the rich man. And he wasn't willing to give up stuff. He wasn't willing to follow you. But Jesus, what about us? We have forsaken all. We have followed you. What do we get for it? Can I tell you I'm glad that Jesus answered that question? Jesus answered that question, and I think he blew Peter out of the water. I think he shocked Peter because he goes on and on to talk about all of the blessings that were promised because Peter and the disciples Followed him. Notice verse number 28. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory. Now that's the millennial reign of Christ. We talked about Wednesday night a week ago. That's when Jesus comes back for a thousand years and he sits on the throne in Jerusalem. And he said to Peter, he said, Peter, guess what? I'm going to use you. I'm going to use these disciples. I'm going to use you to sit on the thrones over Israel. Peter's thinking, man, you talk about a job promotion. I was just a fisherman before. I was thinking maybe I'd get another fishing boat. But Jesus says, I'm going to make you a king. I'm going to make you to rule. And, and say, how long is that going to last? A day, a week, a month, a year? Try a thousand years. Peter said, Jesus said, I'm going to have you sit on the throne and you're going to rule and reign with me over the 12 tribes of Israel. Wow, but it doesn't stop there. Verse 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my namesake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Now hang on. A hundredfold. We're not talking about a 1% interest rate on your investment. We're not talking about a 5% return on your investment. We're not talking about a 10%. We're talking about a hundred times. Whatever you've done down here, God says you'll receive a hundredfold in the life to come. Now, I've not heard of any bank offering those rates of return recently. And by the way, even if a bank down here did, they wouldn't keep it. And secondly, it wouldn't last forever. It'd last just for a time and it'd be gone until the next stock market collapse or whatever. But Jesus says, number one, you're going to rule with me. 
Number two, he says, you're going to be rewarded with eternal riches. But I love this, number three. And this right here, I think is the most important. What do we get out of it? He says, and you shall inherit everlasting life. Now, obviously, we know that salvation is a gift. But when you get saved, it's not a reward. It's a gift. It's free. And when you get saved, God promises you a home in heaven. You say, what is that home going to be like? Well, the Bible says that the streets are made out of gold. And friend, you say, Pastor, do you believe that? I believe it as sure as I'm standing here. The streets are made out of gold, pure gold. The gates are made of pearl. And the Bible says that there are mansions of glory that await. You say, how nice is the mansion going to be? I have no idea. But I'll tell you this. It's going to be beyond anything you and I have ever dreamed of. Jesus says, you'll have ruling and reigning with me. Number two, you'll have rewards. But then he says this, you'll have rest with me. And that's the greatest incentive for the child of God is that we'll get to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. And the cares and the burdens of this life are all of a sudden, they're going to be, they're going to be forgotten. You're not going to get to heaven, I promise. You're not going to get to heaven and say, boy, I really had a hard time with my health when I was down there on earth. I promise you, when you get to heaven, all of those cares are going to be gone. And you'll get to be with Jesus. And I'll get to be with him. You say, what's so good about being with Jesus? Well, he's the one that loved you so much that he died for you. He's the one that gave you salvation. He's the one that makes life worth living. He's the one that that walks with us every step of the way. He's a friend that sticks closer than any brother. He's the one worth living for, and we get to spend forever at rest in heaven with Jesus. Hey, Peter, thank you for asking that question. What's in it for us? More than we could ever dream. Is it worth it to serve Jesus? Is it worth it to follow him and forsake all? Absolutely, 100%, without any doubt. Let's live for it. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week. Thank you.